We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am excited to have this conversation today with Byron Darnell. Byron, welcome to Transformative Principal and thank you for being part of the conversation. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast. And can you start by telling us a little bit about where you're at, your school and the age range and things that you're uh, paying attention to right now in your school? Sure, absolutely. Uh, For the past five years, I have had the honor of being principal slash head learner for Potter Gray Elementary School, which lies in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And my school serves students K through five, and we have approximately 420 to 450 students in the entire student body. Okay, cool. And so for five years, you've been there. And what I find is that the first three years, everybody's just getting to know each other. The fourth year and fifth year, you're able to start implementing some of the things that you are passionate about, you're hiring the kind of people that align with your vision. Can you talk a little bit about your journey in going from starting out there to where you're at now and and working with the staff and the students and the families and all that kind of stuff? Sure, absolutely. Well, you're you're so right. And one thing that a lot of our, I guess, reform, if you will, conversations have centered around involves change that's immediate. And certainly there, there is always an immediate need for something to improve within a school, but long-term sustainable change uh, is very slow. You know, I just like to call it the slow churn. 
So it is very gratifying to be here in this fifth year because you, know, you start to feel uh, more at home. I was very fortunate to come into a school that, at least according to you know our standardized assessments, is a high-performing school. I certainly don't like that to be the only judge of what is happening uh, for our students here. But we are fortunate to have uh, students that come to school and uh, they expect to learn and they're hungry to learn. And sometimes it's a little intimidating to come into a school that's had a lot of success uh, because the expectations should be and are high. But you also sort of internalize that and feel, you know, what is it that I can do to improve upon something that already has a, a very successful history? And naturally, just like a lot of other things, uh, it comes down to examining the student experience and what are we providing for our students that, yes, builds that academic foundation and those foundational skills, but ultimately, you know, whose school is it? You know, is are, are we as the adults still sort of the dominant voice in the school or are we uh, critical in examining the amount of uh, leadership opportunities and learning opportunities that we're giving over to the students. There's certainly nothing easy about that. And in most cases, as educators, we tend to uh, operate from the center and disperse. (laughs) But working on a mindset of empowerment and student agency, uh, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of reflectiveness uh, on the people in the building. So while I am very grateful and thankful to uh, successful, rich academic history, I also feel that that work is so complicated, but so necessary as we move into uh, now 2019, soon to be 2020, and the types of opportunities we're preparing our students for when they leave fifth grade. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, that you and I talked about discussing on here is the idea of busyness and and how that works and deratrice. So let's talk a little bit about busyness first. What is your perspective on that and help us understand what you mean by that? Well, I certainly have heard the statement and I, I can't uh, attribute it to anyone specific, but you know, business is a disease of our time. And I just feel the pace of life uh, and I guess the way most people are engaged, it just always comes down to the answer of how are you doing? The answer is by default, uh, we're busy. And certainly as educators, we are extremely busy. But it, I guess it bothers me because my big question has been, you know, what is it that's causing me to be busy? And as I examine priorities and time and the efforts that I'm putting toward a day or a week or a month? Are they contributing to the vision and mission that I have in terms of my professional and my personal life for that matter? And I guess I just run into a lot of people that they use that by default. You know, I would love to, but I'm so busy. Well, that would be a great idea, but you know how busy we are. And in schools, that's that's the enemy we've created because we just love to layer things on top of one another. We're really good at coming up with new initiatives, new ideas, uh, new programs, but we're really poor at examining what we need to take away to create space for something to actually live, breathe, and develop. And so I guess uh, what I love about what you're doing, Jethro, is just, you know, you're trying to create these connected communities of professionals uh, through podcasts, through your mastermind, 
and resources so that, you know, those that are hungry for that, that personal development have an outlet to go to and to share, you know, and to be a learner and to model what we want to see within our schools. But I guess just by and large, I just see a lot of people that like to default to the answer. Well, that would be a great idea to get together, have a meaningful conversation, even maybe do a book study or examine an issue that is sort of stumping me in my school. Yet, I really don't have time for that. So good idea, but it's just not for me. And so, you know, you're creating these windows along with other individuals that see the importance of breaking that isolation. Because let's face it, what we do is way too difficult to do uh, as a lone individual. So the busyness disease, I guess, is just something that I just always have to ask myself, you know, is it too busy to get, am I too busy to get better? Yeah. You know, am I too busy to, to invest in a conversation that is going to make me think about what it is that I'm doing and more importantly, why I'm doing it? And then someone to ask great questions that's going to lead me to, you know, a better iteration in the future to come. And I guess for me, that's, there is no more important work. You know, it's just kind of like I was thinking yesterday that most of administrators, you know, it's just a hair on fire kind of day. And I'll admit it, you know, that that tends to be more days than not. But I guess I'm critical of if that is the case, then there's learning that I need to do to calm that. And I need to find out why this fire is going all the time. And then I need to be critical about, am I causing busyness where busyness does not need to exist? And then I need to look at my systems and my workflow to decide the waste, if you will, in order to get to a point to where I feel like I've been critical of the time and how I allot it. And so, for example, you know, we all need time to think. But I I bet if you ask a lot of administrators, well, do you take an hour a week? 30 minutes out of your day to just find a spot and just do some thinking. Yeah. I would venture to say that most people would say, well, I don't have time for that. And, you know, there's just no way. But at the same time, you know, isn't that pretty important to give yourself that permission to be able to sort of pause and just, you know, have that internal dialogue or, you know, have a dialogue with a mentor that can just, you know, help you get centered and, offering you uh, another viable point of view uh, on these, you know, super important issues that <laughs> we face every day. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of very slowly reading a book called The Road Less Stupid. <laughs> I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll find it in just a second and get back to you. But one of the things that he recommends is taking time to think on a regular basis and slowing down enough just to think. And that is such a powerful thing to do. And it's so easy for us to be, you know, as principals, we run from one emergency to the next, one fire to the next, always trying to put them out. And that's not a healthy, appropriate, smart, strategic, effective way to deal with anything. And yet that is what our lives are filled with. And so what advice do you have for someone who is trying to break that cycle of living in your email or constantly going from one thing to another? And what's your advice to help them know how to slow down? 
well, here's, here's a promo for you. <laughs> Seek out individuals like yourself <laughs> that are initiating, <laughs> that are initiating conversations. All right. Great idea. I like um, that. Everybody. There, good there idea. you go. Yeah. There you go. Just give your money now. Um, but, uh, I will say, you know, for example, Justin Bader, he, he is, uh, invested a lot of time in looking into this. And honestly, it's just come from my own want to recognize that there's got to be a better way. You know, every day shouldn't just lead to absolute exhaustion in that every day, yes, there may very well be an emergency, but what truly constitutes an emergency? And I just, you know, in in conversations with colleagues, I just find a lot of time we sort of create that emergency. You know, not saying that something isn't important, but, you know, if, is it really just just mission critical that this has to be addressed right now? And just like we talk with teachers, uh, educators in the classroom about giving students room to breathe, to learn, to talk, because just by nature, a lot of times we want to rescue students. You know, we want them to feel successful. So we sort of nudge them along or we rescue them. I think administrators do that too. I think we want to be seen as this is what I do. I come in, I take care of this, I leave. And, you know, the reality is, is that while we certainly do face um, very real needs in a day, the likelihood that that should be happening all the time is very slim. And so it's finding a critical voice that you can walk through what your days look like, how you schedule your days. How many interruptions do you have in a day? Like I have a lot of colleagues that will say, well, I can't do a schedule because there's no way for me to know. You know, I don't know what's going to happen when I walk in that door. And that is a very true statement. But the reality is, is that should not be every day. And if that is the case, then what systems am I putting in place to help, you know, eliminate some of that so that we can get to a better, more calmer day where I can be intentional with my time. And there's nothing easy about it, but you, but you have to, you know, it's just like asking our, our teachers to be self-reflective. You know, that's the key for us too, being self-reflective and then being open to finding someone we trust that's going to give us some honest feedback about whether or not we're allocating our time appropriately or whether or not we're just allowing ourselves to be pulled in directions that really we could probably eliminate if we're honest about it. Yeah, you know, I had a, uh, this, uh, as listeners of the podcast know, is something that I've been working on a lot over the past several years. And when I first started the podcast, I was working from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. without fail. That was normal. Occasionally, I would work earlier and I would stay later. And I just was not happy in, in my hours being spent in that way. And so what I've done is I've tried to cut out a lot of the the junk that I don't need and do it, do my job, but in a more effective, efficient way. And I know principals who are listening to this who are going to absolutely resonate with what I'm about to say, which is that a good principal gets to work, gets to the school first, and is the last one to leave. And that is, I believe, a lie that we have been telling ourselves for a long time. And if you have to be at the school for things to happen, then you're absolutely doing it wrong. You've got to be able to set boundaries and put boundaries in place so that you can take time for yourself and not feel like you're being 
selfish by doing that, but feel like you are making a wise choice that will pay dividends later, both for you and for your school community. And so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. To illustrate that, I had a teacher who I was at work late one day and it was, you know, about an hour and a half after the kids went home and she saw me and she said, oh, you're here still? I never see you here this late. And while some principals and certainly myself five years ago would have taken that to be an insult, I took that as a compliment that I I am doing good on putting those boundaries in place and not being so busy that I have to, you know, be at work for 12 hours every single day, no matter what. And her saying that gave me that recognition that me having boundaries is is working and people are seeing it and I want to help teachers have those boundaries as well. Yeah, and, and good for you. Uh, and, and it is, it's hard for us to give ourselves permission. It just is. And I think that's just, you know, from the administrator to, you know, you're, you're a great teacher. It's just hard to give yourself permission that it's okay. You know, if I leave this building, it's okay. You know, if I'm not spending, you know, 12 hours a day just steeped in, in, in work. And, you know, we know that this profession is always going to demand more than just a daily job. Exactly. Yeah. It is a mission. It's a calling for a lot of people. But at the same time, it's also the reason why, you know, we have high rates of burnout. You know, it's also why you, when you talk to a lot of people, they're like, I wouldn't want to be an administrator. You know, why would I do that? And not that, you know, I want to pull talented people away from the classroom, but there's a perception, you know, that, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I want, wouldn't want to go there. Uh, because that would just be another level that I would have to commit to that would be beyond what I'm already doing, which seems overwhelming, even from the classroom perspective. So uh, it's, yeah, yeah, that that permission aspect and just sort of that guilt, I guess, uh, that, that classroom school building guilt that, you know, we, we all contend with at, at one time or another. Yeah. And, and so the other thing to add to that story is that my school in my opinion, is performing better as a whole now that I am taking a step back and allowing people to to be their own leaders and things like that. And I'm not having to handhold everything. My school is performing better now than it did in the past. And so I think that that is really important too, that we feel like, well, if I'm not there, then things are going to fall apart. And the reality for most people in most situations is if you take a step back and take your hands off, things will flourish without your micromanaging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like to fancy, you know, that, oh my gosh, uh, you know, heaven forbid I'd be out of the building. Yeah. But right, that that's really what we want. Um, and, and I am by far, you know, the least intelligent person, you know, in this building because I have, you know, amazing people that uh, I get to, uh, work alongside every day. And then I have amazing kids that I, I get to learn alongside with every day. And, you know, their visions, their ideas for this school are probably way grander and better than mine will ever be. You know, I'm just fortunate enough to uh, be here for the ride as well. But it, it comes down, you know, the, the idea of systems thinking is something that I wasn't really exposed to, certainly not as a classroom teacher. And then I really wasn't exposed to it uh, during my administrative certification process either. 
And when I had the chance to go work at the Iowa Department of Education and then started my um, doctorate program at Seton Hall University, that's when I really encountered, you know, coming at things from a systems approach. And it just was such um, a learning experience for me in, in taking, you know, the system is going to deliver what it's designed to deliver. And in a lot of cases, you know, you have to examine, you know, is this like an individual issue that's causing this or is it just the system by design is allowing this to happen and, and getting at the heart of how you're operating. And it's not that, you know, I don't like the schools as business analogies because it's just, you know, these are human variables and uh, I don't really like putting those two together, but there certainly is a lot we can take away in terms of uh, levels of efficiency. And so, for example, one of the things I dread the most, and I'm sure like many, many others, is email. Uh, just just email drives me crazy. Yeah. And I eventually just got so frustrated that, you know, wow, uh, you know, I'm not really here to be a person that answers email. You know, that's not really what I signed up to do. So then, you know, you start talking, meeting people. Well, how do you handle it? What do you do? One of the best things I ever did is to centralize my school-wide communication. So using a blogger, I communicate through a blog. So anything that is, a, is of importance, uh, anything that needs to be communicated school-wide, it will be on the blog. And, you know, I limit and try my best to avoid sending out any type of all-faculty email. And just by nature of taking a simple step, you know, and centralizing a point of communication, working on reminding everyone and getting one into that groove has made a big impact just on the amount of time I spend receiving and responding to emails. And, you know, it's just a simple move. And so from there, you know, it's kind of our hub. It's our instructional hub. You know, it's our informational hub and everything has a drop down menu. So anything that is pertinent to, you know, the business and working ends of our school can be located on that one landing page. And it took a lot of time to invest and, and get it going. But just that was a step that has made my life in, infinitely better in terms of the battle of email. And then the other thing is just using email on a very limited basis. You know, trying, if I cannot respond in, you know, two to three sentences, it's not an email. You know, it, it becomes a conversation. It becomes a phone call. Um, it's an in-person, you know, same going for text. And so just being really judicious about the modeling that I'm doing in terms of the email that I'm allowing myself to fall into as a mode of communication. And, you know, it is amazing, though, if you start to be critical of it. Certainly, I slip at times, but it has made a big overall impact on lessening that demand in my day. Yeah, that's that's so important. And email is one of those things that, you know, I, I use a thing called SaneBox to automatically pull all the unimportant emails out of my inbox so that I pretty much just see the emails from the people that I immediately work with. And that really helps as well. And whatever it is that you do, you've got to figure out a way to make your system work for you, not you work for the system. I mean, I'm sure we all go to principal meetings in 
our districts and we see, you know, half the people or more who are, you know, just answering email the whole entire time and, you know, not, not engaging in the conversation that's there when, when we have that time to be together and share that. And, and that is just one of those things that, you know, is a, a cultural thing that we feel like we feel like our job is to do email and, and it really isn't. And our job is to work with teachers, work with kids and, and do that. So I appreciate your advice and tips on that. The last question that I ask is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Talk to your students, spend time right beside them, ask them questions about their day, ask them questions about what they're learning, ask their questions about why they're learning, you know, ask them about what they aspire to be as they get older, ask them what they think this school can do to be better. So essentially, you know, sidle up to your students and spend as much time in a week side by side with your students. Not that the adults, adult learners are not important, um, but yeah, go to them. And, and that's what we're in it for. You know, we, we are their ambassador and it's, it's really, a, it should be a selfish act. You know, it is, it is such a rewarding opportunity to go into a classroom, sit side by side uh, with students that you're in your school, get involved in a lesson that they're doing, uh, help co-teach a lesson that they're involved in and just, just spend as much time as you can asking them questions, having those conversations and doing that in as much of your day as you possibly can allow. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. How can people connect with you and learn more from you, Byron? Absolutely. Well, uh, Twitter uh, is a big one. So it's at Byron504. It's easy to contact me or uh, byron.darnell at gmail.com. And it's D-A-R-N-A-L-L, phonetically challenging there. So those are two very easy ways to uh, get a hold of me. Excellent. Thank you again so much for being part of Transformative Principle. And you can find his contact information in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org. Byron, thanks again for your time. Jethro, I really appreciate it, sir. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.